Brazil heads to the polls to choose its next president. The rival candidates among the most controversial leaders the country has ever seen. There have been some violent incidents, including these targeted attacks as well as violent confrontation. This is my greatest concern. Coming up, could political rows spill over into violence? Will the loser accept defeat? And if you're operating inside Brazil, what do you need to do in the coming weeks? Brazil's presidential election, a new podcast from International SOS. Hello, I'm Paul Osborne. Four years ago, Jair Bolsonaro was elected as Brazil's president, a firebrand populist often compared to Donald Trump. He's faced criticism over his outspoken views and his handling of the coronavirus pandemic, which so far has taken more than 685,000 Brazilian lives. And now he faces a battle to remain in office. His main rival in October's election is a former president, Luis Inácio Lula da Silva, simply Lula to most Brazilians. He served two terms, from 2003 to 2010, and was meant to run against Bolsonaro four years ago. But instead, he was jailed for money laundering and corruption, convictions that were later annulled, allowing him to stand this time. The angry rhetoric of much of the campaign has prompted fears of disorder and potential violence, especially if, as widely expected, the presidential vote goes to a second-round runoff between the two men. Mike Rogers is International SOS's Director of Intelligence for the Americas. He's been monitoring developments across Brazil, talking to some key figures in the country. And when I spoke to him, he started by telling me a little more about the two rivals. It does feel to be a sort of a combination of both surreal and inevitable that the country's two most controversial political figures would square off for the presidency here. To best understand this, we may want to go back to 2018 when Bolsonaro was first elected. Brazilians were very frustrated with this rather slow economic recovery at the time. They're really creeping out of what was, at the time, I think the worst recession in over 100 years. And they're also contending with some pretty serious security issues. I think Brazil recorded close to 64,000 homicides in 2017, which at the time was a record. And 17 different Brazilian cities were ranked in the 50 most violent cities in the world by homicide rate. So crime was very much on the ballot. And Bolsonaro, with his military background, he was a captain in the army, very much appealed to sort of a tough-on-crime candidate. And I think that was compelling for a lot of Brazilian voters. And lastly, and, and frankly, most importantly, in my estimation, is that people were very dissatisfied with the Workers' Party, known as the, the PT, Partido Trabalhador. They'd been in power from 2003 to around 2016. And toward the end of that period, several high-profile figures, including Lula, were implicated in corruption scandals and left a really sour taste in the mouths of many Brazilians with respect to the Workers' Party. And the Brazilians aren't just choosing a president in these elections, are they? How does the process work? No, you're right. Brazilians will be deciding on a number of important political offices. There will be governors and vice governors in all 26 states, as well as the federal district that will be on the ballot, 27 federal Senate seats, and somewhere around 500 federal deputies. And that's before you factor in the wide range of local offices that will be on the ballot as well. Voting is compulsory in Brazil. The system is such that if no candidate receives 50% of the vote or greater, then the top two candidates from round one will go against each other in a runoff on October 30th. Now, polling so far has suggested that Lula is in the lead, but probably not by enough to win outright in the first round. 
That's right. That's certainly how it appears at present. It's a considerable lead, but likely not enough for him to win out right in the first round. You know, the same polls seem to show that Lula compares favorably to Bolsonaro in a vacuum, but again, I think it remains to be seen how that will play out in an actual second round. Now, as referencing earlier, there's a lot of people in Brazil disaffected with the Workers' Party who, when confronted with a choice between just the two, Lula and Bolsonaro, may ultimately opt for Bolsonaro. So it's really hard to judge at this stage, but a lot of external analysts certainly feel that Lula will win ultimately in the second round. But Bolsonaro has suggested during this campaign that he may not actually be willing to accept defeat. Yes, he has. He's made a number of uh, disconcerting comments and You know, it's given rise to, among many clients of ours at least, some concerns regarding the possibility of a coup. And I understand where that concern comes from. You know, as I said, Bolsonaro is a captain in the army, so of course he's rather close to the armed forces. Couple that with his pretty open admiration for the military dictatorship in the 60s and 70s and 80s, and yeah, I understand it. I do feel that maybe some people are trying to interpret Brazil through perhaps an American lens, given what we are still sort of reeling from in this country back in January 2021. I posed this question uh, regarding a coup, and I won't say directly to who, but I'll put it this way, to a high-level official at an embassy that works closely with the Brazilian military. And they told me in no uncertain terms that there is no indication that if confronted with any sort of choice Uh, that the military would choose to support an individual over the Constitution. So I think that's pretty telling. If not a coup, then presumably a presidential candidate loudly, publicly saying that he has been cheated of victory could still trigger some very angry demonstrations. Yeah, certainly. Uh, You know, I I would certainly expect there to be notable demonstrations in urban centres, probably particularly in Rio de Janeiro. That's where Bolsonaro served as a congressman and definitely enjoys... uh, pretty substantial popularity. Uh, I would also anticipate in the capital, Brasilia, of course, that there would be demonstrations uh, that could potentially become unruly at times. But if we want to make the comparison to what transpired in Washington last year, I think it's important to point out that Brasilia is in the center of the country. You know, it was purposely put there to be a capital that would consolidate power for this massive territory. And it's not particularly surrounded by nearby urban centers the way Washington, D.C. is. So I think that would make it harder for the politically aggrieved supporters of one of the candidates in, in this particular scenario, Bolsonaro, to arrive in mass and to engage in some sort of January 6th type storming of government buildings, things of that nature. Now, we have seen some violence uh, around the election campaigning. You were talking about clients, people who have operations in Brazil. How concerned should they be about the possibility that things could get worse during this election period? Yeah, Paul, I'll be frank. This is my greatest concern, to be honest. You know, there have been some violent incidents, including these targeted attacks, as well as arguments that take place in public venues and escalate into some sort of violent confrontation. And I think, unfortunately, we're seeing that grow. You know, in July, there was a Workers' Party official who was shot and killed by a Bolsonaro supporter in Fos de Iguazu, which is near the border with Argentina and Paraguay. But in the past week, there have been several incidents of political violence as well. There's a young woman uh, in Rio de Janeiro state who was hospitalized after she insulted Bolsonaro at a bar. And in Santa Catarina in the south, a Bolsonaro supporter was, was killed by a Workers' Party supporter during a bar fight. And lastly, in, in Ceará, again in this past week, which is in the north, Ceará, a Workers' Party supporter was killed by a Bolsonaro supporter during a, a public argument. 
and I do think we should be careful not to overstate this risk, but we're in a very sensitive time right now. Our tensions are quite high. You know, if the second round is quite close, for example, or there are widespread and debated allegations of electoral fraud, I would expect these sort of incidents, arguments that escalate to violence in public areas and targeted attacks on activists or political figures to increase. I mean, let's not forget that Bolsonaro himself was stabbed at a campaign rally in 2018. So what should those who are operating inside Brazil be doing in the coming weeks? There's a lot. I would begin by telling managers to review levels of exposure in the country and consider the vulnerabilities of their workforce, assets, and operations, and ask questions about whether they're operating near sensitive venues like government offices, campaign headquarters, and maybe other politically significant symbols. We also recommend engaging in scenario-based planning in order to define some clear guidelines for workforce during the likely and, and worst-case scenarios across the election cycle. We also would recommend reviewing business continuity plans and updating or establishing guidelines for reducing exposure in the event of some sort of escalation in protest activity or maybe potentially political violence. So these would be measures like changing working hours and having people work from home if they have the opportunity to do so or, or if it's feasible, things like that. And, and for folks in Brazil, I would say anyone who's living near a political flashpoint, they might consider stockpiling some essential goods just in case mobility is hampered by demonstrations for a number of days in the event of like a serious escalation. And, and then obviously on, on the second, the first round, uh, as well as uh, potentially on October 30th, the second round, I would just avoid any obvious displays of political affiliation, avoid any sort of unwanted attention and just sort of lower the risk of being involved in one of these public disputes that could potentially become violent, unfortunately. You mentioned that the dates of the first and the potential second round for the election. Are there other particular triggers that people should look out for? Definitely. If we see Bolsonaro make any sort of further public plea for military or other security forces to safeguard his presidency in the event of a loss at the polls, that's potentially a sign that, that we should be a little bit more on edge and review these continuity measures and exposure and the like. Like I said, I, I'm not anticipating that the military would engage in type, such type of behavior, but it is a very provocative statement that could compel individuals to engage in, in political violence, right? If there's any sort of narrative surrounding electoral fraud, which very well could develop, particularly related to the electronic voting system, even though this has been reviewed by the military relatively recently and deemed secure, uh, that's another trigger I'd, I'd monitor for. But you know, it's it's not unreasonable to expect the Bolsonaro Lula are going to call upon supporters to engage in some sort of widespread street level demonstration. So I would monitor their comments for that. But also I'd monitor the elections themselves. I mean, if election results depict a Lula victory by a very small margin, let's say maybe under 3%, for example, I think that would increase the likelihood that Bolsonaro calls upon supporters to engage in demonstrations. And those could potentially involve incidents of violence. And then obviously, if we have any sort of reports of increasing incidents of isolated political violence, like these targeted attacks on political activists, affiliated organizations, things of that nature, then maybe we want to review the guidance that we're given to our workforce in Brazil and just make sure that they're taking extra precautions. You mentioned a while ago that you've been speaking to some sources inside Brazil. What have they been telling you? Yeah. So I recently visited Brazil this past summer, along with Kaylee Wolf, who's one of our senior security specialists. And we met with local law enforcement, embassy personnel, and contacts within our own security network some of international SOS's uh, credentialed providers and partners. They continue to paint Brazil as a very divided country at present, as you might expect, but they also cautioned about extrapolating outcomes from current polling data. So many of them are sort of in a wait-and-see type mode, as you might imagine. They also reminded me that security is going to be quite tight in Brazil during this period. It'll be sort of an all-hands-on-deck approach from the police on election day. Essentially, every officer will be 
on duty during those critical days. You know, most contacts I've connected with do feel that Bolsonaro will go to great lengths to remain in office, but they do not necessarily see a a January 6th type moment. Mike Rogers, International SOS's Director of Intelligence for the Americas. Well, as the situation in Brazil plays out over the coming weeks, you'll be able to get the latest updates from our website, internationalsos.com. And while there, you can find out more about our global network of assistance centres, available to clients 24-7. For now, though, thanks very much for listening, and until next time, goodbye.